0: paul johannes nice and uh, you are you have a, a studio in norway with your family on a island off the norway norwegian coast <laughs> tell us about your work there in norway and with the
1: yes thank you for having me father um, we uh, we are a family of my wife and we just had a new baby so we had three kids age 45 days, three days, three years and five years uh, living in Norway. We started, um, actually it's a long story so you have to stop me when I, but we started uh, the first day I met my wife. I met her at church coffee in in our parish. Um, uh, She's Hungarian and I'm, I'm Norwegian and we were sitting and drinking coffee after. After a while I dared to sit down together with her and say hi. Uh, and the first thing we were talking about was that her sister was doing Catholic radio in Hungary, uh, and what kind of joy, what joy it was for her to spread the anger, to spread the word of Jesus to other people. So that was the first conversation I had with my future wife. Mm. It was about doing Catholic radio, mm. and uh, then after a while we got. Um, got uh, we got to the point that where we found out that maybe we should proceed with our relationship and and get engaged uh, I had a quite different life before I became a Catholic so what you would call in here in the US I had a Las Vegas wedding which I had to sort out uh, and I went through the case with the tri- tribunal and it we never got an answer Uh, and we were unsure if god wanted us to proceed a life together or not so we decided to say the um, a novena to saint rita Uh, we started praying and and in that novena you you promised to make the name of saint rita known uh, no matter what the outcome will be and on the final day of the, the novena uh, we got the answer from the tribunal that we were free. I was free to to get married again. Mm. Uh, and um, that was a great blessing. So we got engaged. It was not the most romantic proposal. It was the day after. <laughs> we couldn't wait. <laughs> uh, so we got engaged really quick. Uh, and we started marriage preparation uh, with our priest. Uh, and uh, then we got married. And then we were thinking about how can we honor the promise we gave to St. Rita. Uh, and God was so good to us that nine months after we got married, we, we got our first uh, baby. Uh, and then we found out that, okay, we can call her Lea Rita after uh, we have a, always, the, with all the girls, we have a, the first name is from the Old Testament and mm. then it's from a saint. So we choose then to give her the name of Rita in a way to honor this, Mm -hmm. the name of the promise we gave to St. Rita. And then uh, after that, we uh, talked more and more about radio. And then we had a meeting with the bishop. uh, And he was positive, but he didn't, as long as it didn't cost him any money or any priest, we, we could do what we wanted. And it was a little bit back and forward. And then COVID came. Uh, and all the church um, were closed down. Uh, So then we found out that this is the time to do it. So then we put out on Facebook that on the 22nd of May, this was the 21st of May, in 2020, the first year of Covid, we would start the radio station. Mm -hmm. So we we proclaimed it. Uh, and then after we Googled how to start a radio station.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, so, but God was very good to us. He helped us all the way. Uh-huh. So on the feast of uh, St. Rita, we had our first broadcast of a live mass, yeah. which was the, uh, and then we called the station St. Rita radio in order to, uh, promote st. Rita and thank you thank her for the help
0: she gave us and this mass was in a local parish yes it was okay. in our local parish we
1: had one person listening so is there was, a
0: parish on the island you're on or? no okay. uh,
1: but uh, uh, hopefully there will be but okay. we are not so many Catholic we have about an hour to the church in Olison oh. so so that's our local church
0: and is it a boat ride or do you have a bridge yeah we have a bridge okay. now okay. so
1: so we drive to uh, every Sunday morning it's quite chaotic between 8.45 and uh, 9 when everyone is getting into the car and then mm-hmm. we <laughs> we drive to our parish mm-hmm. uh, and and then uh, we have a Sunday as a different day. And I think that it's, it's actually very important that even though it's a long travel, we go to Mass but then we do something special as a family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Either we have a picnic or we go somewhere with the kids uh, and then we have the family dinner after so so using sunday as a different day that that i think is it gives you peace in a different way you need a day to relax Mm -hmm. and relaxing is not watching tv or sitting in you have to be together with your family Mm -hmm. and i think that is our mission in EWTN in Norway is to promote Jesus, to promote God and the Catholic Church, but it's also very important for us to promote the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time we go to a parish or something to talk about EWTN, we always go as a family mm-hmm. to show that it is a family project and the children has a place in church. And if we stop taking our children to church, then they will fall away from the faith and then this make no sense to do if if the price is that the children will not be in church
0: right.
1: um,
0: And how many people are there? In this like you have volunteers helping you and how many do you have working with
1: you? yeah? Now it's uh, me me and my wife uh, We just got a baby. So she's obviously not working mm-hmm. and then we have uh, two volunteers living with us full mm-hmm. time from india which is uh, a funny story in mm-hmm. itself. And then across Norway we have about uh, last year we had 104 people volunteering mm-hmm. either to make podcasts or to make video, uh, uh, different types of program text translate. Mm-hmm. So we, we've, been, we've been very blessed with the help of w- many volunteers. They are and, and that's also a part of the EWTN DNA or what you can call it. It is a family. Uh-huh. Uh, the concept of family is not something we just say. We actually act as a family. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's a great strength. Uh, I remember my, my way into the Catholic faith was through, through EWTN. And to sitting there and see Mother talking about the family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, th- th- that made a big impact on me.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. To me, that's like, yeah. It's at the heart of I think EWTN that people uh, volunteering are coming. I'm we're in Irondale, Birmingham, and, um, and people come and make shows. You know, they've had this powerful experience of God. You know, they have a converted life, and and there's a a unity that comes about. I think in the faith, and and that's. Uh, that's what makes it work you know <laughs> yeah. and so like let's I guess you, you So you went from uh, radio to television and, yeah and so do you is it mostly translated or how much of your own original programming do you do well,
1: we're in the transaction now from going to radio to mm. uh, television we, we, we started with radio and then I expand to podcast uh-huh. uh, podcast is uh excellent tools for us because we have big distance people are spending a lot of time in cars cars. we started with doing the um, liturgy of the hour as a podcast uh, which i think prayer has to be the foundation Uh, and then a year and a half ago we got in contact with ewtn and started to uh, expand the possibilities of doing more video Uh, And and we are in Irondale now and one of the reasons for that is that we've been working on how we can get um, 24-7 TV stream up and running. Mm. Uh, So hopefully we we launched EWTN uh, in Norway on the 29th of July last year, so we are hoping to be live with the TV stream uh, on the 29th. Uh,
0: so right now you have some video like through a website that's going yeah on? we
1: have uh, we have youtube and we have uh, different on-demand services uh, okay. on our on our web page yeah. uh, and and we we started the testing of the live stream uh, right before christmas mm. so we have to get that and that, that will be very very exciting to get that up it's the first time we will, it's the first time there will be a catholic tv in norway right or in the Scandinavian countries.
0: Yeah, and so do you have any original programming yet?
1: Or yes, we have. Uh, we make uh, every day. We have evening prayer and rosary mm-hmm. live from our studio, mm-hmm. and then we make we make four program a week in Norwegian.
0: Oh,
1: okay. oh wow! Uh, so uh, now we. So are, you have
0: a studio. We have
1: a studio home. on the island, yeah. and uh, as we speak now, we have. Um, uh, in Bergen, one of the cities we're working in, they're doing a shoot with two priests. Uh, a simple catechesis program, and uh, one about theology of the body. Mm. Uh, but that is all done by volunteers, mm. uh, and it's amazing how much how the Holy Spirit is sending us people who can help us. Wow. Uh, with They're
0: mostly lay people or
1: you have some priests? Or? Uh, we have uh, two monasteries that are helping us out on a regular basis. Oh. Uh, and we have a five priests doing sh- program for us every month, oh, wow. uh, more or less. Wow. Uh, so that, that's also what is so beautiful with the concept of family is that, even though we don't go around saying you're a part of our family, but uh, we bought that house on the, the island where we are, because it's a big house, uh, it's an old house, <laughs> uh, but we can have a lot of people there. Uh, so people are coming to visit us almost every weekend, and uh, we have volu- the two volunteers from India. So that makes it into uh, a real family where we can eat and pray together. Mm. And we have the priest coming and, and helping us. and. In many ways, I, I think it's so beautiful because the church today is much about politics, it's much about polarization, this and that and all this. But for us, this project is about showing the faith and most of all praying together. and I, I, I think that we as a society as in Norway, we have forgotten that it's important to pray it's good to go to it's perfect to go to sunday mass and all these things are important but we we need to sit down together and pray and um, our three-year-old she always say grace as our house Uh, and she says this in a combination of english uh, hungarian and norwegian (laughs) Uh, and even though if we have priests or bishops eating was us she always (laughs) the pray i remember once we had I had a, a bishop visiting us, and he was going to get ready and bless. And, and she just, no, <laughs> and this is my job. <laughs> I think, and that, that also, bring the children with us. It's our responsibility to learn our children the faith. And uh, our children, they are crying in church, and they are behaving bad. Uh, as Normal children, but i remember there was one uh old lady who come and said to me that take your child out she's crying and then i said to her that but yes of course i can do that but remember it's it's our children who will pray for us in purgatory so so if i take her out of the church she will not be used to being in church and then we have less one less person praying for us when we are in purgatory <laughs> she looked at me and said okay
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Do you do you all pray the like the liturgy of the hours or the Christian prayer or something?
1: Yeah, not a, uh we don't do all the liturgy mm-hmm. of the fam uh hours as a family, but but I try to do mm-hmm. it. Uh at least Laudus and Vesper and yeah. uh I see if I don't pray I if it's much to do with work and then I sin more. Yeah. Uh and if I don't pray, then I do stupid sins and then then I don't pray when I've done that. And, and, and it's an evil circle. And that's why I think the liturgy of the hour or the daily rosary is so important because it, it's not every time you want to pray uh, or feel like praying or many times I'm thinking, oh, it's much more important to do this or this or this. But if you have the time schedule of praying then at least you do it and i i hope and i think that it's better to do uh, unconcentrated rosary than to don't do it mm-hmm. that's at least yeah,
0: yeah 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 it's always a challenge of the family yeah <laughs> yes but it, we, we are so lucky
1: that we, we live um, in the second and the third floor and we have the studio under us And we also made um, an oratorium, a room for praying. Mm -hmm. So so we can take the family down there. Mm. It's good.
0: And do you, I imagine, is this like a lighthouse with big stone brick house (laughs) or some kind? (laughs) No, it's
1: it's an old shoe factory. Uh, They were selling shoes in the basement and were living upstairs. Ah. So it's... um,
0: how old is the house right uh, it's Maybe.
1: built in 1910 or something Oh wow! so uh and we came there on an impulse it's it's uh was a at that time you had to take a boat to get there when we moved there and we were a little bit unsure what to do and then we came out it was a uh, the one sunny day of the year <laughs> <laughs> there was no wind the temperature was hot
0: god had to sell it to you right yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we just looked at each other and said, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> and when we bought the house, we found out that there was water leakage. The <laughs> electricity was wrong. and She'd been opening all the doors so we wouldn't smell the mug when we came in. And all that. So, but I think that I, I had a very different life before I became a Catholic. I was living a life where I was working as a banker uh we were we had a morning meeting every day where we had this creed- our credo was that the one who has the most when we die he's the winner
0: You uh, literally say that yeah
1: the every morning
0: is that naso or were
1: you in- uh, no that was in bergen i
0: yeah. was working there uh, and
1: and uh, then we, we was kind of very
0: uh,
1: it was import money cars girls and all this thing alcohol but I always felt that there was something missing in my life. I couldn't know what it was, but I was never satisfied. So we always had to do more, and more, and more, and more, and more. And then at some point, I kind of didn't understand what, what this was, and then, as I see on EWTN, you have this commercial that with Mother Angelica that people switch into the TV, and and then they see her, and then they end up converting. And it actually, was almost like that for me. My my ever first Catholic mass I saw was from the chapel at in EWTN. Uh, it by accident I ended up in on YouTube on the mass from here. Uh, so for me, being here now is actually quite emotional. It's been a trip to get to know with EWDN, but there had also been a pilgrimage on what led me to the church. Mm. So I was sitting and watching the mass, and then after the mass, uh, in the algorithm of YouTube, they uh, put up Fulton Sheen, uh, mm. a catechesis with him, uh, where he said that if you, uh, if you have done something wrong and if you don't go to confession, then you have a big problem. Yeah. And he looked me in the eyes, in this black and white, uh, bad color, uh-huh. uh, and I felt he was talking to me. Uh, uh, and that, uh, that started the process uh, for me on w- w- what you want to do with your life? Uh, how, how to go forward.
0: Now, you were raised Catholic? A Protestant. Well, so what I- made you watch Mother Angelica in the first oh. place? I don't know. You were looking for something. Right? Uh, yeah, I
1: ended up in the mass and then uh-huh. I came there. So so I think the the for us to be able to do EWTN with Mother Angelica with all of the people here being such a crucial part in my conversion it's 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 for, for me it's amazing. Uh, I'm so grateful about being allowed to be a part of the the big EWTN family right it's, uh right. yeah
0: so and then after so well full gene tells you to go to confession but did you even know what confession i had was? no
1: idea <laughs> so then i i waited a little bit and i found out where the church was and all this and then uh, it was a wednesday i found out that okay i can go to the church and see say hi at least uh, and then i came to the church there was a really old man he had Tobacco, all of his, in all of his mouth, and he had a cross in his forehead, and he looked crazy. That was then Ash Wednesday. It was the deacon there who, who was there. It was an old man, uh, and and then he came. What do you want? Uh, and I, my plan was to ask him. Uh, to have a talk, but I was so scared. So the only thing I could say, oh, oh wh- where is the post office? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he had chewing tobacco? Yes, chewing tobacco. <laughs> <you
1: know? laughs> so, but it looked really bad. <laughs> so, uh, and then- um, Sounds like a Norwegian sailor. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> uh, uh, but, but the funny thing was that, I didn't know that at the point, but uh, he translated a book by John of the Cross. His name was Deacon uh, Gunnar Wicklund Hansen. Uh, so he actually translated the book that led me to come to the, uh, the, wow. to the church. And I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. uh, yeah. And then I went away from there and oof, this was scary. And, uh, and then at some point I found out it was Easter and uh, I couldn't go home to my family because I had to work. So then I found out that, okay, let's give it a new try uh, to go to the, to the Catholic church. And that was then on Good Friday. So I came into the English Mass on Good Friday in the city of Bergen. And in the English Mass, there are mostly Filipinos. And uh, you can see it on the podcast, but I'm tall and a large man. Uh, I'm close to 190. And the average Filipino is maybe 160 170 (laughs) so I was sitting in the church (laughs) yeah (laughs) so I was sitting in the church and I was much higher than everyone else (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and when I first decided to go to the mass it was actually no mass because there is no mass on Good Friday Uh, and then the whole thing started and I remember when we came to the um, adoration of the adoring of the cross is that what you call it then i found out that this is this this is it Uh, in the time leading up to the my finding of the catholic church i have been involved in the freemasons and other religious things and all of them were appealing in the beginning but over time they were just empty But when people knelt, kne- were kneeling down in front of the cross and kissing it in a naked church, because it was the beauty of the church that actually drew me there, so I, wa- I, I like Mozart and I like all this classical music, so I, that was what I was expecting when I come to the mass in Easter. I was completely naked. There was no music. It was a uh, open tabernacle. I didn't know what the tabernacle was, but it's a, in the church there, it's very big and it was open, yeah. so I didn't understand what it's there. Yeah. And remember when I knelt down, I didn't dare to kiss the cross, but I knelt down in front of it and I realized that this is actually the real deal. Mm. It's not alcohol, it's not girls, it's not money, it's not Freemasonry, it's not, the Protestant church this is the real thing
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and that was that was for me beautiful and that's that's ten years ago now
0: Uh, so your upbringing you had some understanding of you were in church a Protestant church a little
1: bit I had a grandmother that at the time we just thought was strange because she was always praying for us and she was crying when Mm. she was praying Mm. Uh, And at that time, I just think that it was strange, but she gave me, um, I went to Sunday school and I went to church maybe five or six times a year, something like that, with -hmm. uh, with the family. But she gave me, uh, for my uh, Lutheran confirmation, she gave me a Bible uh, as her present. Everyone else get money, we got money from everyone, and uh, what what am I going to do with the Bible? (laughs) Uh, But uh, then from that point on and when I was studying I was moving a lot and no matter what I did the Bible just stick with me because every time I was moving I was throwing a lot of things and I should have thrown the Bible um, Mm -hmm. because it didn't mean anything to me but it was always there and it's actually nice to have it there. So then when I started to go to to school uh, I went to the Protestant church a little bit, but the Protestant church is, in Norway at least, it's sadly become a political party. Mm. Uh, I remember I was sitting there in, in the church one Sunday, listening to the homily, and, and the priest was bragging about what a good year it had been for him. Mm. It was at the November, December mm-hmm. of the uh, end of the year. Because this year he had helped divorce more people than he had married.
0: Mm.
1: And that was then he was happy with himself Hmm. and I think that was why would he be happy with more divorces (laughs) because he helped liberating the woman I don't know so so uh, so then I just went up in the middle of the homily and and I left because you you can't say things like that Um, and that started the process leading up to the
0: and somewhere in there you read john of the cross you said or?
1: yes uh, he uh, the first time i came to bergen uh, f- when i was 19 i had this bible that I always ended up being with me uh, and then i i been out We uh, we, we had a big party and we've been going on for a couple of days and and then I was tired and, and I felt that I yeah, needed to relax a little bit. So I went to, um, that was the first time I went to a, a church after moving to where I went to school. Uh, and then uh, there was a female Lutheran pastor uh, and I asked if I could talk to her. Uh, and she said, yeah. So after mass, we, we took a cup of coffee. And, and I explained a little bit because um, one of my biggest problem when I was doing my confirmation was that I didn't want to receive the Lutheran Communion. Uh, I didn't know why, but I I thought it it was in a way disrespectful uh, because people were laughing in the communion queue and going more times and and I didn't like the setting. I talked to my priest about it and, and we agreed that I could receive the confirmation in the Lutheran church is not a sacrament, I could receive that without receiving uh, Lutheran communion. And that, that bothered me a lot. Uh, so I went to this um, priest in Bergen after the mass and I said to her, ah, in, I moved to Bergen and I've been going a little bit to the church and all this thing. And now uh, we have been out having a lot of fun and all these things. And, Uh, You have this freshman week. I don't know if you have that in the US when you start college. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she gave me um, a book of John of the Cross. uh, The Dark Knight or something, I don't know. Dark of the Soul or something. This uh, Lutheran woman priest. (laughs) (laughs) Gave me that book. So it's her fault that I'm sitting here, actually. (laughs) uh, And and then, um, uh, now and then I read the book. Uh, and I still have the uh, book. I, I was only I, I allowed to borrow it for, I promised to give it back to her. Uh, and then uh, she was moved away and I haven't, I got in touch with her uh, five years ago and said that I still have your book. Uh, <laughs> but then she gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so the book stuck with me and and I think what I was lacking, in my life was the knowledge of the pain and the suffering the life isn't perfect uh, the catholic church or the communion or the ma- and the mass that's perfect but our life is not perfect we have to have suffering and we will have suffering because you cannot experience true love and joy if you don't have any suffering in your life mm-hmm. Th- that i think is is actually very, it's important. And that was what John of the Cross taught me. So when I had my, con- I, I, I I taken up in the church on his feast day, uh, and then uh, I took the name of uh, Johannes, which is John in Norwegian, uh, as my confirmation name. And I, I changed my name also because I, I, it was such a crucial, Part of my life becoming Catholic. It it has completely changed my life. I'm sitting here talking with you which Per definition should be impossible 15 years ago
0: I I know it's it's striking to me that you you had a life of a banker and and Pursuit of more and more and it's John of the cross because he's he's got a tough message right about detachment the cross and uh, I'm surprised that would appeal but i guess i if you if you've bottomed out and experienced the emptiness of just the material life yeah i could see how that would appeal to you
1: yes and and he also even though his books are dark i don't know if you can say that they're always filled with hope mm-hmm. because all the suffering all imagine all the suffering jesus did for us and, and i also had uh, living a secular life i had uh, when i started to the process of being catholic still goes on today uh, the sexual sins are so dominant in our society today and we we get tempted all the time uh, and the sexual sins are what in the end, will destroy the family, uh, and that is also something. I think it's very important when you see. I, I, te- I have the confirmation candidates. I'm teaching them at our parish, and see how much trouble they have due to the sins of sexuality. These are teenagers. Yeah. Uh, how much? But also for. Uh, I think that. Uh, I think that is something we as a church has to talk more about also because family fathers like me we, we all have this problem and temptation and i think that is also something I, I i learned from john of the cross that the temptation can also be one of the hardest cross to carry but we we have to we have to stay together and we have to be able to talk about um, the tough things also in life. But I think many, one of the reasons many marriages are destroyed has to do with sexuality in one mm-hmm. way or another. Right.
0: Uh,
1: spe- especially when I was a banker and things like that. Uh, women, for, for, for me, was just an object brought there to give mm-hmm. me pleasure,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and right. that's far away from the Catholic marriage. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, you're making me think, too. I, I, I've i got, um, like when you read the sayings of light and love from John of the Cross, or uh, I've got a book I might pray to now that's a summary of his teaching and stuff. And, and there's something, there is a relief to it when you read, because he's talking a lot about detachment, you know, and dying to yourself. And, you know, we get attached to things in this world, and they might be good things, you know, but we're, it's too much you know we're focused on them too much it's like when i read him the liberation is oh yeah that's right that's not going to give me peace it's like a relief that there's something more because that that kind of lack of fulfillment you find in giving time and energy to this stuff it's like yeah that's not supposed to be everything for me right and know, there's something about it when you read it he, he says it beautifully um yeah, that it, it's just like a, a liberation that a hope
1: like you said hope yeah because in the end no matter I, I think that we just finished christmas now and in our parish you have the christmas crib and if you look to the christmas crib you see the crucifix behind mm-hmm. it's placed behind and, and i think that is such a beautiful picture you have the newborn baby you have the crucifix and if you're sitting on the kneeler in front of the crib, you also see the tabernacle. Mm. So you have the whole thing mm-hmm. there just in front of you. You have the the baby, and we know all the suffering and the pain baby Jesus have to go through in order to get to the cross. And under him is the tabernacle, which is our hope, which is the thing that can bring us closer to him. Imagine we can be one with Jesus. In
0: right. the holy mass and receive right. yeah. it, it's beautiful you're reminding me too I, I know we you know of course we have our sisters up in hansville we serve up there at the shrine and and uh, we have a, a local community the sister servants that we practically offer mass for them every day and the, the women religious i think especially they celebrate the christ child and christmas so beautifully you know women are just uh you know they're mothers and they yeah. just and they, but it, it, when I see, cause they'll always have like a, the child Jesus in the crib or something. And and I see he's always like smiling and it always kind of catch me off crack. Cause it's like, there's something, it happened to be the other day at the this local community. And I just saw the smiling baby Jesus, okay. right? And it's like, there's something that's just like a relief. You know, it just reminds you of the joy of Christianity you know, because on a natural level, there's the joy of the child, you know, for every family, a blessing, everybody can marvel at that. And then we marvel at how, oh yeah, I mean, God loves us and becomes a child for us. And I can, I don't know, it just eases the burdens or the heaviness or the seriousness, or I take ourselves too seriously or take our struggles or kind of maybe too much for us it, it just brings a lightness or beauty to the faith you
1: know? but, and i also think that is the key in evangelization and i think that is also the key in keeping people in church or catholic coming back to church is to just show the joy and the beauty uh-huh. even though jonah the cross talks about all the suffering but we are giving the biggest gift of them all uh, which we can find in the church uh, so, so we have to, we have to. Sometimes I think it's important to just stop a little bit and be thankful for this amazing gift we have of the Church. Uh, and for me in my spiritual life, my big, or one of my biggest challenge is to be thankful. I, yesterday I went through a whole day without saying thank you to Jesus. Imagine that he, he gave me a whole day and I didn't even remember to, to say thank you to him so we have to focus on the the good thing the the beauty and also the gratitude of everything he gives us
0: right yeah the eucharist means thanksgiving yeah you know the term means thanksgiving and that's you know it's interesting that we choose that to to label to name our our greatest prayer the greatest uh part of the church you know the eucharist and um we were uh, we were just came coming off retreat and the and the, the priest was giving us uh these conferences on ignatian spirituality and how important that was to saint ignatius this prayer of gratitude like this, this prayer of examine you start with gratitude and looking at times in your day that you recognize the blessings of god or his closeness to you and this priest retreat master said too, that we, we come to believe and see God's love for us and how he was maybe present in our life, maybe how he gave us a consolation or whatever it was, blessed us with whatever. And I know it, even like secular people are talking about gratitude. And as Christians, because I, 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 I think so much of the challenge is to believe that we're loved by God. Yeah. And, and be good enough for God. Yeah. Yeah yeah and that and making a like a gratitude list you can say god must love me because he did a lot of great things for me today you know? yeah. <laughs> and and we i know some of our personalities maybe more than others but we can just focus on the negative you know the yeah. problem and that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and say wait a minute god really did show up today you know? <laughs>
1: you yeah And we also or I, I talk from myself i pray that god will take care of my family and things like mm-hmm. that and then he takes care of them. But I don't say thank you.
0: Right. So, so
1: that it's important. So I remember I got a penance one from my uh, priest back home. And I was to do two things in the morning. And uh, one thing in the morning and one thing in the evening. It was to say, Jesus, I love you. as the first thing I say when I go to bed. And then say, Jesus, my friend, thank you for today. Good night when I went to bed. Um, and then he said I had to do it for, I don't know three four weeks long enough for making it a habit i think that was his (laughs) 21 days (laughs) that's what the (laughs) but but the the gratitude of being a catholic and the joy of being a catholic imagine we have the fullness of the truth we jesus came god sent his son to us so that we can live forever
0: Mm
1: -hmm. it's amazing
0: right right Um, what do you tell that confirmation class? You're before like 13, 14 years old, and they're thinking maybe in a very materialistic yeah. way, and they're thinking in a very kind of self-sufficient, it's all about me way. I, I, we, I,
1: I will say we have chosen a different approach. Uh, my five-year-old, she is also a teacher. So she's in every class. She's coming there with me, uh, and... Um,
0: you bring your three-year-old to lead the prayer? and No, uh, five- no uh,
1: <laughs> she and my wife and the newborn baby, they are making we always have lunch. Uh-huh. So they're making lunch.
0: Uh-huh. So
1: they are there, and me and the five-year-old, we are doing the, the confirmation class. Uh-huh. But my five-year-old, she is in charge of the praying, because we never managed to get these um, kids to learn our father and Hail Mary. That's obviously too much. <laughs> but, then, but then, we found out that we did it. We started last year. Then she was four, so I said to them, if, if she can do it, you have to be able to do it. So she leads the prayer before we start and in the end, and she also have a test with them in the end of the year, and this, um, especially the mothers who, get. Have their son being corrected by a four year old <laughs> next time they know our father <laughs> that you can be, be sure of. but, but, but uh, so, so first of all what, what i I hope they bring with them for, for me it's i shouldn 't probably not say it, but it 's not the most important thing that they know the ten Commandment by heart and all that, but it is important for me is to see that we are a family mm-hmm. uh, we are doing this as a part of our vocation. Mm-hmm our kids feel at home in the church they know where the sacristy is they know where jesus is they the three-year-old when we leave church she she always run in and she waves to jesus and say goodbye see Uh you soon Uh Uh, and and that's beautiful Uh so so my hope is that the confirmation candidates understand that the most important in church is family Mm -hmm. Because when family and the family is destroyed, then we won't get more priest so so then the whole thing mm-hmm. will not collapse because Jesus promised he will take care of us. But in order to get priests and in order to have the church floating and expanding and showing its beauty, we need the family, and that is why I think also in the society today it's the family who is under attack uh, in Norway and Europe, we have the situation with um, gay marriage. <laughs> if, if my daughter, age five, come home to me and say that she identify as a boy, I'm, it's illegal for me by law to tell her that she's a girl. Mm. So the the attack and the gender is under the 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 family and the gender is under an enormous attack. So, So that's my main thing to my confirmation candidate is to try to show them the beauty of the church and the family. And then when we do the six commandments and all these things I just start by giving them my email address and I say you can give this to your teacher. So if there is any complaint, Mm. she can write to me. But now I'm going to go against everything you're taught at school. (laughs) 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 But it normally works out fine. Mm -hmm. So so, yeah. So so, but but they live in a completely different world, and the, the boys think they need to see a masculine church. They need to see that the Catholic Church is not only about their grandmother sitting and praying the rosary and crying. They see, have to... So the boys, they have to take turn being altar servants. Uh, in our parish, parish we have, have only a male altar servants. So they do that. And we celebrate the mass quite close to what you do here at the daily mass with the Latin and things oh. like that. Which is, I think, what... Uh, father of the council actually wanted. I think mm. this is the way they wanted mm. the the new mass to be celebrated. And then the girls, they they also have their special role and and that is also the third most important thing for me in my when we teach and talk with the confirmation kids or the young people is to try to show them that it actually matter what kind of gender you are because in the church a man and a woman has, is equal. The greatest among all the people who ever lived was a woman, uh, Virgin Mary. So, but we are God. Have different plans for us, and that is also the reason why a girl cannot become a priest. It's because that was not a part of God's plan. He, he, want, he if He wanted that, He would have done that. Mm-hmm. But also why a man can't give birth. Mm-hmm. So so in the society we have different roles that we have to fulfill and i if i see, look at the history of uh, in norway uh, we before year 1000 we were um, worshipping odin and thor and all this thing uh, and then life didn't have any value uh, if you kill my brother i could kill your brother and we could go on forever and they put babies out in the woods mm-hmm. And then Norway became Catholic for about 500 years. The first thing that happened was that it was illegal to kill babies. Uh, instead of burning the swar- smart woman, we made them into saints and, and let them develop. Uh, and then the Reformation came, and the first thing that happened was that the value of the woman was increased. And they started again to kill babies. So, and we see that in the society today, when this has been going on for 500 years, that abortion is, no one thinks about it as murder anymore. If I say, I say to my confirmation candidates that, do you want to kill your grandmother? And all of them say no. Do you want to kill your uncle or your father and your mother? No. And then say no. And then. What about killing a baby? No, 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 no! You can't kill a baby. But then I try to ask them, "What is a baby? When is it a human being? When?" And and they don't understand that because they don't understand that the baby inside the womb of the mother is actually a a human being. It's it's a baby. And we do this evening prayer every day. And, And when my wife was pregnant, in one of the prayer, we were talking about who was present during the prayer. Uh, And I said that it was me and my wife, and we had some guests there. And then of course the baby in the the stomach of uh, my wife. And actually the day after the newspaper called me, the local newspaper, because for some reason he'd been listening to this. (laughs) So he called me and asked if he could do an interview where I explain this thing with uh, baby in the stomach being a human being. (laughs) that he couldn't Goodness.
0: understand
1: <laughs> so, so then, then we got two two pages in the newspaper and and and, and we we said that we, we tried to explain that for us all matter all life matter and but, but but for them that it was completely strange that they, they couldn't understand that um it was a nice article in the end but he could not understand how we could consider it a, a baby i
0: know I, I feel like sometimes you say Like, what happens? Like, all right, after they're born, then you cannot, and then like, but five minutes before, it's okay. It doesn't make any logical sense, you know? It's like, you know, I always like to make the point, I'm just grabbing this from a church document, but at the moment of conception, that child has its own DNA, it'll have its own blood type. A new life has begun you know distinct from the mother it's not an organ of the mother it's got a different blood type even you know eventually and it's like but the dna is set there too you know in the beginning and and it has its own growth and you cannot uh has a a dignity there that you can't end it
1: yeah and i also think that many people have lost a child during pregnancy we we lost one uh, baby so we have three girls and we have one in heaven can mm-hmm. dispute if it's in heaven or not but i i believe so mm-hmm. but I, I think also to be open with that that we lost the child we, d- we didn't lose a thing or mm-hmm. some cells but my wife was pregnant and we were waiting a baby and the baby died in the womb
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think that is important to acknowledge and i think there is a lot of families and especially a lot of women feeling very sad because they lost a child in the womb mm-hmm. but the society today doesn't recognize it as a child so then the person who lost the child they don't have anything to talk anyone to talk with they just suppress the feeling i don't think that's that's good right. at all right
0: um you know maybe we could talk a little bit about like the culture of norway i i was i didn't know anything about her speaking with you and and uh, you relate to me how there's a big oil industry there and it's it produces pretty good wealth right for the country it's a you all are doing well financially and you have a lot of immigration that you're saying that the catholics comprise a lot of eastern europeans right have come like from poland and, can we tell us a little about that the, the european influence first i can start with
1: the situation is Norway is a wealthy country Mm -hmm. but when the problem is when you get too wealthy you don't need God Mm -hmm. because if you have everything you need why should you pray for that
0: it gives you an illusion an illusion of (laughs) self-sufficiency yeah so
1: so Norway is a very secular country the uh, there are the Protestant Church are Quite big, but co- that's because it's been a state church, and there has been a lot of grandmother insisting on baptism. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but that's uh, slowly going away. Uh, about 10 to 15 years ago, uh, in Europe, it opened up for, especially Polish, to come and work in Europe. Now in Norway, but connected to the European Union, and. Then it happened something, uh, the parish I'm a part of, we were at that point before the Polish came, we were maybe a thousand people in the parish. And then in 10 years, it went up to four and a half thousand around that. That was mainly immigration. So in my parish, we are now between four and a half and five thousand people and with no, two Norwegian uh, parents. We are eight Norwegian out of mm. five, close to five thousand. Mm-hmm. So the um, the amount of Norwegian are is not big in in, in, uh, in the church. Uh, then the Polish came. Uh, the Polish are very devout Catholics. One of the most beautiful things I see is when it's the Polish mass on a Sunday. Then there is a cue. Not a cue to get into the church, but to get to the confession booth.
0: Mm.
1: And that's a very strong sign of. It's a very important tool of evangelization towards us, Norwegian or F- Filipino or Lithuanian or whatever it be, because we see that they take their faith seriously. So the devotion to the secret heart of Jesus has grown very much. The first Friday and the first. Now also the first Saturday, so uh, we we get a lot of influence. But in in my parish there are I don't know the sec- exact number now, but I would guess around one hundred and twenty nationalities. Whoa! And then you're going to try to put all of this together, wow. uh, and that's very complicated. <laughs> and-
0: so they are they're there for the oil industry?
1: They're there, no, maybe most for the shipbuilding at my oh, really? point. Uh, yeah. they, they are building uh they're they're working at the shipyard. We have a lot of shipyard in the area that I'm in. Oh. Uh, but also uh oil, but, but it's supply boats for the oil industry mm. and things like that. Uh, and um that I, the, they You have offshore drilling? Yes. Oh, okay. Offshore, only offshore. Mm. And then we have um wind and water, we have a lot of water, electricity. uh, Hydro. Yeah. Yeah. Hydro. So so, so that's... um, But the the Polish has been very important for us because they have in practice witnessed that they take their faith seriously. In Norway, it's... People look upon you as a little bit strange if you say that you're a practicing Christian that's mm. it's a little bit embarrassing i remember the first time i put the picture out connecting me to the catholic church when i came out as a catholic <laughs> 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 and, and, and all the people they, they start looking at me and I
0: well, they say this because the only people still in the closet are the christians right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah <that's> true. <laughs> and and uh,
1: now that i meet
0: people now
1: everyone knows what i'm doing but if i meet people now friends of me and we have which are not christian which i haven't said, said for five to ten years uh, it's always the most embarrassing moment is when they are going to ask me if i want a glass of wine because they think that all Christians are not drinking <laughs> wine and just sitting and praying <laughs> and everything. So, so the, the, yeah. But also the, what the what, um, immigration has given uh, give, given us, which is very important, is that it is a counterweight to the secular society, especially uh, when it comes to family, gender, uh, marriage, and all these things. We are not completely alone. We have a We have good brothers and sisters in Poland, which are not afraid of saying that they believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Mm. So we we, have seen that and it's also in Europe, it's a big discussion what the German bishops are doing. And the church in uh, Germany is paying maybe half of the bill for the church in Norway. So we are very connected to the German. We get a lot. They build all, all our churches and all these things, and it's it's difficult when the, when it can seem like the church in Germany want to leave the leave the Catholic faith. So we have a we have a saying in Norway: Are, are you with the Germans or are you with Pope Francis? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so so that's it's a it's a tough situation for us now because the church is getting. Politified or, or the, the battle of the gender and the gay movement are closing in on the church. Mm. Uh, and that is, it's very hard. And w- what we see is that they are very, very aggressive. Uh, That's actually been one of my main thing coming here to, to the U.S. is that we have to send our TV signal, from the U.S. and not from Norway, because if I do it from Norway, a uh, normal Catholic homily can be considered hate speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is changing the society into be extremely polar, the polarization. The uh, We're taking away the focus from God and, and the beauty of the church because we have these two groups, uh, one group, in my opinion, which is teaching what the church always have thought that the marriage is between a man and a woman, and then you have this group normally of converts in in Norway which want to change the church mm-hmm. and that brings me back to what my parish priest said when I converted that uh, Catholic Church is—it's not a supermarket. You can't pick and choose. Mm-hmm. It is a package. This is—if you're going to convert to the Catholic Church, you have to accept this. If not, go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And he also told me that what is true, what was true yesterday, is true today and forever will be true. That is the big fight now in in, in Norway and also in Europe that they want to change the church. Mm to go away from that. its teaching
0: and how would you how would you describe like the norwegian culture itself um, you know not putting the immigration aside but I always like to to me it's always interesting like the different countries like the enculturation of the faith you know it it's expressed differently in all these different cultures and I know you were sharing with me earlier that you're on this island and you you fish once a week you catch yeah. cod and mackerel and that's my impression stereotype you, you know this cold water fish you're pulling out and <laughs> bitterly cold you're bundled up and uh, <laughs> fishing and uh, but anyway that's uh what what do you think is the cultural gift to catholicism a
1: little bit it's it's divided into you have the people living in the cities uh, where um Masculinity is under attack, <laughs> mm. and then you have um, us who live outside of the city, which is m- probably more the the stereotype of what foreign uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> think of when they <laughs> think about Norway. Uh, we we live on a island. Uh, I think uh, I had coffee with Father Mitch. I think he would love it there because mm. there is a lot of animals and mm. things that uh, you can hunt, and you have. Uh, fish in the water. We we are close to the nature.
0: The Is There nature a lot of trees on your island? Or?
1: Oh yes, yeah. we are self-provided by wood. Oh, no, no. <laughs> so Do you have the, like
0: a wood fireplace? Yes, heard? we okay. use that. Okay. Uh,
1: the, um, because of that, we have the problem with the inflation. So the electricity has become very expensive. Mm-hmm. So now we go back to 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 using wood. Mm. So, but but for us, it's also a thing. That is something which is important to give to the children, is the uh, freedom. Uh, I, I remember when we had COVID, the whole thing closed down, the whole country. And then we were living in an apartment. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy to have uh, at that point two and a four-year-old, or mm-hmm. one or three-year-old, during COVID, uh, and being inside an apartment. Uh, when we came out there, they can run around. There is. The woman we bought the house from she has been living there for 60 years and she never locked the door. Mm. So it was always open. Mm-hmm. So so it's the Norwegian mentality is deeply connected to the nature. We go on hikes and things like that. And I also think that most Norwegians are proud of our country. We think it's beautiful. Uh we 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 think we we were we're an open I, I, or at least I like to think that we are an open type of people. Mm-hmm. We invite people in, mm-hmm. uh, and the biggest room in every house. Uh, no, the normally when we have a house, it's an open kitchen and living room and dining room, so mm-hmm. you can all be together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the house center around the, the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the food is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and speed skating? Oh, yeah, not where <laughs> I am, uh, but but uh, uh, the long uh, uh, speed skating is uh, Norway and Netherlands so do <laughs> So uh, it's, it's a lot of that. And you have you have the snow and and this year the, it's been quite a lot of snow even in the island where I live. Where it's a little bit hotter there because it's on the coast. Uh, but uh, now we had we had f- three weeks of snow and the girls they go out for uh, in the kindergarten they have their snow mobiles or what you call it and they uh, they're outside a lot uh, mm-hmm. and what is also special at our place is that we have a great population of eagles mm. so we have the eagles going around our and they fish out right out of the sea yeah. and
0: grab. That must be uh, spectacular. Right? Yeah, it's it's beautiful.
1: Yeah. And, and normally, uh, all the kids uh, when they are small, like are newborn, they, they for the first year during daytime they sleep outside. Uh, in we put clothes on them. Even in the winter, we just put some warm clothes on them, and then they sleep in um, trilly outside. But on this island, because of all the eagles. We actually have to have something over so that he can come <laughs> and take that. <laughs>
0: no, that's nice. And you do that for health, you think, or is it? yes, and yeah. they sleep better oh, as long
1: okay. as they don't freeze. It, <laughs> but I remember when my wife, I, I, when we got the kid, uh, she was born in um, the first kid was born in uh, August, and then it come to and then it was summer, so we're sleeping outside. And then we came to uh, we started to snow and I, I put the baby outside, oh. and she came yelling at me, "What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but then well, I think it's as a, we have always done it. We also yeah. sleep. Uh, I have the window open in my bedroom yeah. or our yeah. bedroom, so yeah. I think it's, it's fresh air, it's yeah. some salt in it, especially when we're in the sea it's. It, it's good. Yeah, uh, it
0: must be uh, neat, blowing uh, off the ocean and stuff. That uh, uh, And you talk about masculinity being under attack. How, how would you describe that uh, attack? Anymore? Just
1: go in a shopping mall on a Saturday and see how... It's difficult to see if it's a boy or a girl anymore. Mm. Um, but although it's... We saw that in the newspaper, especially during the time of... President Trump, they had the Norwegian newspaper had um, clearly a agenda. They didn't, they didn't, they weren't too happy about him and his politics. So then everything that was masculine was in a way connected to American politics, right. and, and that's sad. Uh, and over time, we have this thing with the gender. Now they have legalized the third gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm a little bit unsure what is. Mm. It's something in between, probably. Uh, And if you... I remember when we were kids, we were building small huts up in the woods, and we were boys, so we had a fight and Mm -hmm. things like that. That would be completely unacceptable now.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, It's, And and also, I think one of the most masculine things you can do is to show emotions. Uh, if if you actually cry, that's an extremely masculine thing to do. Mm. Um, when you were growing up? Or no, no, also know. now. Yeah. If, if I'm yeah. able to sh- yeah. show emotions, yeah. that's masculinity. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, many people think that masculinity is just to be angry. Or, right. Oh, I'm right, a dad, right, or you do right. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But masculinity is also to be connected with your own feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, And the the biggest problem in the end is that there is no longer an accept for... They think that equality means that we are all going to do the same. And that's not being equal, in my opinion. So it has been a a lot of... Like in the Lutheran Church, all the bishop end up being... you, You get excluded almost by being a man. So mm. that, they, and we also have a law that so and so many percent of a board has to be women
0: mm.
1: so it doesn't have anything to say if you have the qualification or not right. the qualification of being a woman is more important than your background and what you've done earlier in your life and then they are taught in school that i remember we had this after the COVID thing we got a survey where we had to fill in and then one of the question was what gender did the doctor assign you when you were born mm. uh, and then the next question was do you identify as the same gender still mm. and that was a question of whether or not I had a headache after having COVID <laughs> so, yeah, it's completely crazy uh, so, but, but they always push this in and they also and in, the, um, in the school they have this they are thought to question their own gender they have to, it's, it's not you're not a boy, you have to find out that you are a boy
0: mm.
1: uh, and when society is mo- more feminine where you don't have the we have a saying: "Boys will be boys," or something like that, mm-hmm. in Norwegian. I don't know if you have it in Sweden. Yeah. There. So, so, but when you're not allowing the boys to be boys, yeah, then over time they don't, and that you will see when they become father and husbands, they don't know how to take control anymore,
0: right? Because
1: right. they're they're not used to that,
0: right? Well, where does that ideology come from? I, you can look in this country. You can see like the huge impact universities in the '60s had uh with a great liberalization and stuff and you know it just seemed like the universities were run by people of liberal persuasion so to speak but is that the same as true in norway or where did it come from
1: yes uh in in many ways and then they also for, they've been very good and doing lobby work and getting in good
0: positions so politically yeah uh, and I know my impression, is it more of a socialist country or
1: uh, that's actually a good question uh, i haven't thought about that but i think it's i think it, it's been a clear and and yes it's a political issue first of all it's mm. been a clear agenda for the ruling parties the last yeah. 20 years and I, I remember pope benedict he he, he died recently and and we were discussing in the newspaper in Norway. They were writing that Pope Francis, no Pope Benedict. He be, after the Second Vatican Council, he became extremely conservative during the 80s and the 90s. And then I was reflecting a little bit that, about that. Did he change his writing, or did he just mean the same all the time? Mm-hmm. He, he was consistent, mm-hmm. and that was the answer. He didn't, or at least for me, he didn't change the way he was thinking. But society completely changed the way they were thinking. Mm-hmm. So being cath- uh, orthodox or, or, or conservative made you, if you just, if you didn't change your perspective of things, and you had a status quo, you went from being mainstream to being an activist right. in twenty years. Yeah. So, so it, for us in in Europe or in Norway, it's been a something that the politician wants, uh, and it's been pushed by law. Uh, right. which, and you have these uh, lobby groups right. uh, working to change the law, because I don't think it's rep- they get much more attention uh, than they should compare on how many people this is we're right. talking about. And now it's legal actually for a 12-year-old in Norway to change the gender without having the consent of the parents. Hmm.
0: Like surgeries, hormones,
1: whoa. Before entering puberty. Yeah, yeah. And that's, um, I I think that's wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Well, yeah, my impression is like a bigger government, bigger, more government control, and it seemed like they can push that. I think in America you see like our big corporations are 100% into this. (laughs) social agenda and they're pushing it like from the more free market side that you know seemingly has similar results you know but um that's
1: uh i don't know if you have it in the u.s but we have this pride march oh yeah Uh, and uh, i we can't support that as catholic Uh, it's it's not possible to be a catholic and support Mm -hmm. pride the, the day geology that they are promoting in, in Norway it's a I'm sorry for the language but it's a sex ex, exhibition right, of, right. it's terrible yeah. uh, so we we tried to not shop in the way in the stores that have a pride flag right, we, we tried right. to not do that and that was also the, I didn't say that earlier but. One of the main reasons wha- for us to start the radio, I was working um, in an insurance company before we took the chance of doing the radio. My wife was pregnant with our first child, okay. maybe six months or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the baby is born in August, and this the Pride Month is in Norway that year was in May, uh, and then. The bank and the insurance company I was working in became the main sponsor of this Pride uh, week. And then they came and put the Pride flag on my desk that you have to have that. Uh, And then I called my wife uh, and she didn't have a job at that point. And I said that I have to have a Pride flag on my desk. What do you want me to do? And she said, then you have either they take it away or you have to quit. And I said, you're sure about that? <laughs> 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 yes, I'm not letting you back in if you have a price flag on your uh, desk. And then I went to my boss and I said, I, I can't have this. You can have it in the room, but I, I can't have it on my desk. Yeah. And then she said that, oh, they made an arrangement so everyone in the company had to have this on their desk. And I said, well, because of religious freedom and, uh-huh. and all this, I, I, I can't do this. Uh, and she said yes. And I wrote to the HR uh, department saying, I'm, "I'm sorry, but because of my belief, uh-huh. I cannot have something this symbol on my, my desk."
0: Mm. And
1: I just got back. Sorry, but you have to do that. Uh, and uh, okay. And I called my wife. The, the, I have to have it. Do you still want? What do you want me to do? She said that, if you come back, I will not serve you dinner and you have to sleep on the sofa, as long as you have that there. So then three months before she was going to, we were going to give our first child, I quit my job. Uh, and they paid me one month and, and that's, and then we were sitting there, what to do now? <laughs> and then uh, I, I, of course, God take care of us. Uh, and that le- led us into being able to do Catholic radio full-time.
0: Wow. So did you, did you pick up another job?
1: Uh, yes, I, I, I took a temporal job for yeah. six months before I started. We did yeah. the radio full-time. Yeah. So it gave us actually the opportunity to, um, yeah. to do radio so ewtn norway wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the pride movement <laughs> so some, uh, that's kind of a way to show that even the darkest situation god makes something good out of
0: <laughs> you know the united states i was reading that you know, more women are going to college now getting degrees yeah. graduate degrees have driver's license and they're actually making more than men into their like mid-30s and then something I like think men are taking on like higher management positions and then they make more, but um, you know, I think we have a crisis in masculinity yeah. of falling behind. And I don't know where that, I don't know, people have all kinds of explanations, but um, is that the same? And Yeah.
1: The women are doing better at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boys are having problem concentrating mm. and that and we talked about this a lot in our parish and we will try to do the boy scouts right uh, in order to to kind of build up and we do man groups right groups where we can sit and talk about man issues
0: Uh, has uh, that helped
1: yeah for, for me it helped i would love that there would be much more people but i think it's important to acknowledge that I, as a man, has different problem than my mm-hmm. wife, as a woman, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't think that this race system or whatever you call sexism. it, yeah, yeah, sexism. It's not that, it, it, but it's just we we have different needs, right. and and I'm convinced that God made us that way, and yeah. it, it's not everything that. Uh, it's something is good to talk with the boys about. Uh, that we can sit down and we can go fishing or just be a group of men talking about the faith. And I think that's an excellent way to evangelize also mm-hmm. if we have guests who are not Catholics, yeah. to divide them into group of men and right. uh, women uh, where we can do things. And the men are at our house uh, we, because I like to make food, we we change on doing the food. So it's mm-hmm. not that the women has to be in the kitchen mm-hmm. and the men go out fishing the fish. That's mm-hmm. not the point. But but we have different needs, and I also think that the women, like my wife, after giving birth, and it's important for her to also talk with women about right. women things, right. uh, much better than me, because yeah. I don't yeah. think I would understand them yeah. in the, right. the same right. way. So. So, to restore the that I would think I was in the gift shop here, uh, and you have these masculine rosaries mm-hmm. uh, and you have the beautiful uh, mm-hmm. one also I, I think it's important Right. yeah
0: Yeah, I think men are kind of ordered to like challenge and it's not like they respond to doing You know, I, I know a priest that he just started the St. Joseph's group he called it uh, like after the Saturday morning mass, men would get together and do maintenance on yeah. the on the parish and stuff and have a have a project. And um I think too, like with the school, you know, school is not real life. And it seemed like men kind of you know, you gotta sit in a desk and listen to lectures and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I think we need to men need to be able to do that and everything, but I could see how but they're kind of more energetic, you know. I, I came from like a an engineering background, and it's like I I can remember being in the lab and just like things just came alive, you know, and um, you, know, you could see it concretely and do some yeah. experiment, you know, it was exciting and all that stuff. And uh, and so academically, I, I think that's that kind of challenge and everything, you know, needs to be there for the men. And I I can remember being in I think I was like in fifth grade. <laughs> And I remember being in a math class, and we at one point we broke up into these little groups of like four or five boys, and we were given these problems to work. And we just, we all we got into this competition. Yeah. Like we just kind of tore at it. As soon as like it was like competitive, it was like, man, all of a sudden I, I remember being focused and you were like, you didn't want the guy next to you to get ahead of you and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but I remember it was like this huge stimulation. It's like, it really got my attention even back then, but I, so, yeah, and I I was gonna say, yeah, with men being together, I think the men's groups are so important, and I, because, yeah, I I tell older men that, when I can, have an opportunity, the importance of mentoring, and just, the word today, you know, accompanying other men, or just drawing up close, and I think, because that's, like, really where the male gift package comes in to help guide, like a teenager, Someone in college, someone leaving college, you know, to like navigate life. You know, this is how you do yeah. it. You know, and stuff.
1: Yes, you know. and I think that it's also with uh, all the pornography and all these things yeah. that are out there, I think it's I think it's easier for a man to talk to a man about these things right. than to talk right. to your wife about right. it. Right. You can't go to your, yeah. or, of course, you should, but it's yeah. harder to go right. to your wife. Right. Right. So, so I think all these things are, are. Connected, and um, I also see that with this confirmation class that we teach that there is a difference between a boy aged thirteen mm-hmm. and a girl aged thirteen in how mature they are and, mm-hmm. and all these things. And for my own sake, I I don't know how to write. I'm dyslexia so so that in my early year at school that was always very hard to admit because there was a lot of girls there and I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't tell them that I didn't know how to read and write Mm -hmm. but I came into uh, that had nothing to do with the church to do but I came into a group of men where we or young boys it was through a type of Boy Scout where we managed to talk about these things in a safe environment where we didn't have to impress all the women with all the hormones we had running around Mm -hmm. Uh, and that made me safe and secure enough to admit it. And I, I've been going around for, before I started this, I went around for when I was working in bank and having talks. And I always started with misspelling my name as a joke to just show them that in the next foils there will be a lot of misspelling, but there's right. half of it. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I had uh, my my bishop name, his is Bishop Eric, and my wife's name is, bishop, uh, is, is Erica.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I was going. Uh, remember, he, he, two years ago when he were a dean, a bishop. I was going to write him an email, explaining our project and try to uh-huh. tell him that he should support this. And I was working on this email for uh, three, four hours, changing the sentence. And and then I was happy. And then I pressed send. And then when I went back and read it, it said, Dear Bishop Erica. <laughs> so, but, but I think that the men's group and being in a safe environment do so that you get more secure about yourself. Yeah, uh, that, That's why it's so important for me because it's given me so much.
0: And I don't know how it works for women as much, but I, I know for men, I think it's, it's like this very keenly felt need that we look to other men, like older men, to what it means to be a man, how to be masculine. Because there's there's something about masculinity that's acquired. You know, I I think women are kind of more set, you know, you're born, you're naturally close to your mother. The boy child has got to eventually attach to the father because that's who he's like. And I think that that whole movement continues long into their life and because I, I just remember, be, I was a boy scout. I remember looking at like the troop leaders and stuff on, you know, when you're in a camp out, you're hiking, like going out for a week or something, you get to know this guy well, right? Yeah. And I can remember the impressions and things that I felt being around them. I remember uncles in my family, of course, my own father, but like the great uncle, I had a great, I, I knew some great uncles very well in my family and they had a big impact on yeah. me. Of what it means to be a man how are you to act and carry yourself and things
1: and yeah, that is the biggest problem i think with the divorce is that many kids lose their father figure because mm-hmm. they end up in many cases living with their mother right but so they don't have the contact with their father they don't see the masculinity yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that i also see with actually with the girls who are com- uh, doing their confirmation classes that they come and ask me questions they should ask their father. Right. They shouldn't ask me this kind of question. Right. But they don't have a father figure right. in their life right. who right. they can talk to right. about these things. And, and that's, that's sad.
0: And you know, now that I'm even saying that out loud too, it's like we're talking about, you know, just the, you know, your parents being separated. And now too, like, you know, families are smaller So you're not gonna have as many uncles and things like that to witness. But uh, you know, just in my own life, my extended family made a big impression on me. And they were all down, I grew up in Alabama, they were all down in New Orleans, but my grandmother especially was big in the family and would make sure we were connected to these people and would always be, I mean, she was like kind of at the, the center and always drawing extended family into the home into the cell you know the christmas thanksgiving celebrations and everything and and that's powerful too when you see multiple versions of masculinity yeah. you know I, I remember my grandfather he had um, a hut
1: outside of where we lived and that was our childhood paradise it was enormous it had a Enormous lake and there was a waterfall and everything. That was how I remember it. Mm-hmm. And there we went and we were doing carpenting thing yeah. with him, painting.
0: Yeah.
1: And then he died. And uh, fifteen years later, I came back. Mm-hmm. And it's the smallest house I ever <laughs> seen in my life. <laughs> it was nothing like I remember. <laughs> uh, but but this the. the and and it's, it's like, I think about it now. Then you say like when I think back to my childhood, what I'm thinking about is my father and my grandfather and my uncle, how they helped us when we needed it.
0: Right.
1: I I could always know. I always knew, and I still do that. If I need help, I can go to my father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't go to my grandfather because he's not alive anymore. But and, and that is because he during our childhood, he was the stronghold. He was, when everything was going bad, we knew we could go to him. Uh-huh. He was the protector of the family. Right, right, And if you don't have a father and if you take away the masculinity, then you don't have that anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and that's, I know we're going pretty long here, but <laughs> let me ask you too about the relationship in marriage that uh, the complimenter Complementarity between the, the man and the wife the man and the woman um, I mean, you've mentioned it you know several times now the influence of your wife. how does that make you a better man My wife is
1: uh, in every sense an amazing woman because everything I do I can do because she. Prove it. He mm-hmm. supports it. Yeah, yeah. In, and, and, and it's also a vocation for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, our baby is born, It's I think it's 45 days now, and I've been able to spend a week here because it's something that was important for us. It's important for our vocation to do the radio. But I think the biggest, you have to begin with what the marriage is because marriage is a union between a man and a woman until we die that's the premise of uh, or, or one of us die mm-hmm. uh, and we had had a lot of ups and downs in our marriage mm-hmm. uh, and if we didn't have a catholic marriage i'm sure we wouldn't still be married mm-hmm. if we didn't have our faith because if you don't believe that The marriage is lifelong then when you get problems it's much much easier to just split up and do something else but i remember when um, right before we got married we got married in hungary so we had our priest doing the paper and the last thing he said before when was good luck and all this thing and I have <laughs> made sure you will never get an annulment. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so as long as I live, you will never, never <laughs> get an annulment. <laughs> yeah. and, and that means that no matter we have chosen this, uh, chosen this, and it's not every day is not uh, good, but most of the days are good. Mm-hmm. And I I can't imagine a life without my wife because i was thinking about that before we got married two become one Well, right? yeah it's the babies and this thing but that we two become me and my wife become one in marriage for me as we grown in marriage has nothing to do with the sexuality at all no. it's a smaller part but it has to do that we are here together and we have a vocation which is first of all our family then it's the EWTN project mm. and we have to find a way to make this work mm-hmm. and i think that because we we try to go to confession once a week uh, on sunday we go to confession before mass She goes every 14 days because she's better than me. (laughs) uh, But but That we have the faith together, Uh that we do things as a family. Uh, I was working for EWTN at the world meeting of family in in Rome. For me, it was the most natural thing to bring my family, Mm -hmm. that we go there together. If we are going to record a show or something somewhere, we go all the family together. Uh, And that being... uh, catholic minority in norway also i think bring us closer because we don't have too many catholic friends we can talk about things and that kind of forces to talk about things together and every time i try to hide something from my wife it always end in a catastrophe with me having to say that I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so I think I think that is two becoming one. To, that we that you grow together, uh-huh. and what started with a kind of a, 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 a temporarily love because we liked each other and this was, mm-hmm. it has grown with the, and maybe that's the sacrament of marriage that is growing that. The grace of a Catholic marriage is that we grow together into a unity we, mm. we become one we have a we have a goal together. we still have our separate lives with friends and things like that but but the family is the number one and and we don't call our wedding day our wedding day. Uh, we call it with the kids. we celebrate the birthday of our family mm. uh, so and uh, 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 yeah so i can't explain to you what my wife means to me and because without her absolutely nothing would be possible if yeah. i wouldn't have my children yeah. without yeah.
0: her. Yeah. yeah you know something comes to mind too you talk about like the deepening of the love and the growing of the union it reminds me of how we began the conversation with saint john of the cross And how that that sacrificial love is where it really becomes real and uniting and
1: it's but just imagine how much she must love me man she's at home with three kids Uh and I can be her going to Mass every day
0: yeah Yeah.
1: that's the for me that shows for her it's a big sacrifice I get all the fun and she Mm -hmm. has to stay at home so Probably I have to do a little bit more next week, but, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, the beauty of, it's the beauty of the marriage. It's mm. the beauty of being together about something. Mm. And I think that also, I see that with my friends, maybe w- what some marriages lack is a goal to work together, mm. towards together. Uh, and one goal is, of course, family. But you should have something else than a family mm. to work towards. Because mm-hmm. uh, it is really good when the kid's been crying a whole night to do something different mm-hmm. that doesn't have to do with the family. To record a podcast. Right. To, right. To, we, do, we read the liturgy of the hours together. Mm. Uh, to grow in our spirituality. And she is... Uh, harsh strong catholic woman uh-huh. so she is also very strict on the fact that we go to church together yeah, yeah. Uh, if i tried to go here i, I remember the before i left her it was uh, feast day holiday of obligation and i didn't have any clean socks mm-hmm. so i came and asked her can i can you put on some socks so i have socks when we go to uh, the u.s and she said no we're not washing on a holiday of obligation, <laughs> so, so that, I had to go on the airport to buy new socks. So, but that also has to do with the roles in the family, because yeah. that she helps me with these things. It's yeah. it's, it's her role. It's her, not her role to wash, but it's her role to take care of the house, the yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. And it's my responsibility to. Take care of that the uh, children grow in their faith. And, right,
0: um, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think the women have that great sensitivity to like what's going on in the family, the needs and stuff. And yeah. Sometimes you can point it out to the father if he's missing something. And
1: yes, and, and when we earlier we talked about being grateful. Uh, I. For some reason, for some magical reason, there are always clean shirts in my <laughs> wardrobe.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know how they're getting that. But, but, but that is also something, an important part of the marriage, which I'm failing in every day, is actually to show her the appreciation of the work she's mm-hmm. doing for the mm-hmm. family. That things I take for granted, there are food uh, on the table at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. It's.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's beautiful. gratitude yes, full yeah full circle yeah well paul thank you so much for this talk it's been really enjoyable thank you for having me